they are retained. However, Thomas called the twin. One of the twelve was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But Thomas replied, Unless I see in his hands the print of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. After eight days, his disciples were inside once again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them, and he said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Place your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and have believed. Now Jesus accomplished many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. However, these ones are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Christos and Isti. Um, happy Feast of the Resurrection. This is Thomas Sunday. Um, and as you can tell from the from the hymns, um, the tune, the the the, the mood, and everything uh, now changes. So, um, before we get into the the gospel reading. Uh, during the Holy Fifty, the, the tradition of the church is supposed to be all Sundays all year, but especially during the Holy Sunday, there's no during the Holy Fifty, there's no kneeling, there's no bending of the knees. This is from the Council of, of Nicaea, um, where this was instituted as a as an official practice of the church. And the idea behind it is that we're now celebrating in the victory of the resurrection. We're now living in the joy of Christ's um, complete trampling. Um, over death and the granting to us of, of victory. Um, and 
And the reason why I bring it up is because I think we forget a lot of these practices, we forget these rituals, and so we, we miss out on the beauty. So for example, um, uh, you'll see um, the, the, on the Feast of Pentecost, um, we, we have a special service called the service um, of the, the, the kneeling. Um, and the reason why we have it is because we haven't done any matanyas, we haven't done any bending of the knees. And so people have no idea why we're suddenly getting down and kneeling and why that's a big deal. Um, and it's because for a long time we haven't um, been able to, to, to do that because we're participating in the resurrection. So when people come for communion, God willing, and it's restored, don't do a matanya um, when you're coming to receive the Eucharist, not on any Sunday all year long, not just during Holy 50. Um, because you're, you're, you're participating in Christ resurrected, where you stand before God with confidence because of um, um, the victory and the resurrection you have. It's, it's basically the difference between coming to your dad in fear and trembling and coming to your dad standing straight with victory, knowing that, um, that he is the king of glory. Having said that, we'll get into the, 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 the reading. So today's gospel reading is about Thomas. is a famous one. Um, Thomas is one of my favorite characters um, in the Bible. Um, and so he's called Didymus, which means the twin. And some people think it's because he looked like the Lord. Um, and we've come to be really mean to Thomas. Um, we have the expression, uh, don't be a doubting Thomas, um, which sounds negative. But... To me, Thomas um, is so real. Um, Thomas is a very, very, very honest character. And, and as we can see, God doesn't get um, upset with him for this. Um, for example, just two weeks ago, we read about Lazarus Saturday. And it says in the Gospel of John, the Lord told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad that I was not there so that you might believe, but let us go to him. And then it says, Thomas, called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let's go so that we can go die with him. <laughs> so Thomas is the one who's not afraid to, to speak his mind um, ever. And then in the farewell speech of our Lord in the gospel, um, this one always makes me laugh. Our Lord says to the disciples, um, um, in my father's house, there are many mansions. If we're not, so I would not have told you. Um, and he says, um, you know the way where I'm going. Our Lord says that to him. And if you can picture the scene, our Lord is having this dramatic speech saying goodbye to his friends. And, and then he drops this comment of, and I'm going and you know where I'm going. And Thomas's reply to, on behalf, I think, of everybody is, actually, Lord, it says Thomas said to him, we don't know where you're going, <laughs> and how can we know the way? So Thomas is the guy who just says it like it is. I don't get it. I have no idea what you're talking about. I don't know the way. I don't know where you're going. Um, clear this up for me. And so um, even uh, Master Origen um, talks about the precision of Origen. Thomas is always very precise and careful about um, what he says. 
And why this is so important, like this, this gospel reading, I think is a few reasons. One is, um, it's not wrong to doubt, right? I think a lot of us have, um, have this, this, this thought that um, doubting makes us worse Christians. And we're going to see that it's, it's not. But Thomas wasn't doubting for the sake of doubting. Um, and Thomas's doubt was also not the kind of doubt where he's close to hearing the truth, right? Thomas instead um, is being genuine. He's being very genuine in his search for the truth. Because how is he going to go out and preach the resurrection if he doesn't know the resurrection, if he doesn't know that it's a fact, right? These disciples weren't that sure when they when Christ came the first time either. They were still locked up in a room, even though they had heard news already from Mary, even though in this gospel, this is the gospel of John, right? So in this gospel, Mary Magdalene has already gone to the tomb. Peter and John have already gone to the tomb. But it's not like they believed better than Thomas did. They're still locked up in the room out of fear of the Jews. So they haven't received this joy, this peace of the resurrection yet. And so Thomas is not being unreal by saying, well, guys, that's really nice that you guys had this event, but I didn't see it. So I can't go out and tell people I saw the risen Lord. I didn't see the risen Lord. I actually um, um, have no idea what's, what's going on here. So, um, again, he wasn't doubting just to be the, the no guy. Because sometimes I think today we think we're being very devout in our, quote-unquote, doubting. Um, when we just say, I don't know if I believe that. So that's not the kind of doubt that's, that's really good, right? It's different to say it's possible. It may be real. I'm confused about it. I still have more um, questions um, about it. And so he wanted to be able to preach the resurrection with honesty. And what was the result of this? The result of this was that our Lord stooped down to where Thomas was to deal with him, to answer him, right? And so here we see that our Lord actually makes a special revelation just for Thomas. So if the Lord was angry with him, he would have been like, well, that's his problem. Okay. He, he doesn't want to believe. He should believe by now. He saw this. He saw this. He saw this. He saw my miracles. He saw this. Why, why can't he? He doesn't deal with him like that. He says, okay, I'm here, Thomas. Um, And this truth is what completely changed Thomas. First of all, if you look at it, Christ says to him, okay, put your hands in my, in my side. The gospel doesn't actually tell us that Thomas did that, right? We don't know if Thomas actually put his fingers there or not. All we know is that Thomas made a profession of faith and that moment that was stronger than any one of the disciples' proclamations of faith in any of the Gospels. Because Peter calls him the Son of God, but Thomas looks at him and says, 
there's no confusion for him about what the Son of God means for him. He says, my Lord and my God. It is in unequivocal terms. Okay, so the person who actually gives the most profound profession of faith of the 12 is actually Thomas in this gospel. And what did this truth do to Thomas? He didn't say, okay, cool, that's nice, so now I know. It meant the beginning of extremely hard work. Um, the tradition about Thomas is that Thomas was actually skilled with his hands, with wood, um, and with building. That's why some icons of Thomas show him um, with woodworking tools in his hands or a ladder or, or things like that. The tradition is that he was good with his hands. And so there's a story that goes that an Indian ruler um, of some rank came to Jerusalem um, and he was looking for a worker to help build him a palace and he hires Thomas. And that Thomas uses that as his opportunity to preach in India. Um, so Thomas preached to the people there, was thrown in prison at one point, um, and even heals the brother of the person who imprisoned him um, in the same way that our Lord heals the person who's cutting off his, uh, who's there to arrest him. Um, and that Thomas preached to the people there. And so now the same person who doubted is the father of the church of the Indian Orthodox Church, the Syrian Orthodox and the Indian Orthodox Church in India. Um, and let's be fair, right? It's not just Thomas in the room who doubted. It's Peter, right? Peter is in the room, and Peter did, no offense, but if we're going to compare, Peter, what Peter did was far worse um, than, what, than what Thomas did, right? Because Thomas just doubted the resurrection. Peter all out denied the Lord, right? Peter, Peter swore up and down that he didn't know um, the Lord. And that's why in John's gospel, we also see um, the Lord having to pull aside Peter, right? We see that the Lord in, in chapter 21, this reading is from John 20, in chapter 21, um, the Lord pulls Peter aside to help him deal with his angst and with his, his problem of having denied the Lord because the joy of the resurrection wasn't full in Peter, right? Because to him it was like, okay, I'm happy that he's risen, but what's he going to say to me? I sold him out. And so we see our Lord step down to Peter's level um, in the room in a different way. So Peter gets pulled aside by the Lord and the Lord says to him, Thomas, or Peter, son of, of John, Peter, son of Jonas, do you love me? Do you agape me? And keep in mind that because we're reading in English, we don't see the differentiation of these words. It's a big deal because P Peter is asked, do you love me in the agape form? Okay. Agape is the Arabic uh, corruption of the word. Um, do you love me? Not just do you like me as a friend or a brother, as a companion, right? Which would be philanthrope, right? But he's saying, do you love me? And Peter looks down and says, Lord, you know that I feel, feel oh, love you. I, I like you as a brother and friend. He doesn't allow himself to use the word agape, which is this love of being willing to die, willing to go down, to lay down your life, of to, of to completely self-empty. 
Peter doesn't have the boldness to say that because he is aware of what he did. So he says, Lord, you know that I feel like you. And our Lord asks him again, Peter, son of Jonas, do you agape me? And he says, Lord, you know that I feel us like you. And then the Lord steps down, just like he did step down to Thomas's level in this gospel of appearing. He steps down to Peter's level and says, okay, Simon, son of Jonas, do you feel us love me? Right? Where he says, I'll take you where you're at. You're not at the agape level yet. Okay, I will take you at the philos level because I know that you are going to agape me because I tell you, Simon, son of Jonas, the day is going to come where you are going to go where you don't want to go and you're going to be led to where you don't want to go because he was going to die and saying, you are going to agape me. And I accept it before you've even offered it. And I'm coming to you to make amends with you because I know that you're too afraid to come back to me, right? You're too shy, you're too worked up, you're too ashamed of where you're at. And so it's not just Thomas, right? It's not just Thomas that our Lord is taking where he's at. Peter gets taken where he's at. The disciples are taking where they're at. They're all in the room because they're afraid, right? And the Lord comes to them where they're at to preach to them. And so the resurrection encounter changes everybody, right? The resurrection encounter makes Peter um, the martyr, right? The resurrection encounter um, makes um, Cornelius um, a Gentile, right? Seek the Lord. It makes Thomas a martyr. Um, it makes Clement of Alexandria more than a hundred years later, right? There's these, these encounters with this resurrection. He's not even an eyewitness. It, it changes their lives, right? It made St. Anthony become a monk. It made Moses the strong become a monastic. Okay, these are, these are what happens when you encounter the Lord, when you encounter the risen Lord. And we don't even have to look back to 1500, 1600 years ago to see that. Now we can look at the 21 martyrs of Libya, right? These people who are coming from a small village, a small town, not really highly educated, definitely not highly educated from a, a theological perspective, right? That were willing to lay, lay down their lives for the risen Lord and affect the whole world, right? We see someone like Father Lazarus, the, the hermit in Egypt, whose encounter with the risen Lord has sent as a philosophy professor, a devout atheist, to becoming uh, a solitary in his cave. This is what happens when people encounter the risen Lord. If Christ were not risen, these things would not happen. If Christ were not risen, the apostles wouldn't die. The apostles wouldn't preach. They wouldn't give up their lives for fakeness. Right? And so the truth is in the person of the Lord. And you need to ask yourself, right? We all need to ask ourselves Have you had your encounter with the risen Lord? 
do you know that you have encountered God in your life? Because if you haven't, then you will struggle with faith, right? You are going to be wondering whether or not Christ is really risen. You will wonder whether or not there's merit to this because you'll never have seen the effects of the resurrection. And our Lord knows how difficult this is because this gospel reading is the second time where God, our, God the Son, makes mention of us, us specifically. The first time is in the Garden of Gethsemane, where he says, I pray not only for these that you have given me, the apostles, but also those who are going to believe because of their word. That's us, right? But then in this chapter, he also says, Thomas, you believe because you, you saw. Blessed are all of those who won't have seen. That's us, right? We did not get to live for that moment, right? We did not get to live and see the Lord um, during the time that he was on the earth. And so he says, blessed is a special blessing to us that, that the Lord gave, knowing that we didn't have the luxury of seeing him in the flesh. Now, there's a challenge. We didn't read the Pauline on, like on, on Cam, but the Pauline reading from today. St. Paul says, but you didn't learn Christ that way, except if you fail to hear him and to be taught in him since truth is in Jesus. You were supposed to put away the old self, which belongs to your former way of life, since it becomes ever more corrupt after the lust of deceits. And you are to be renewed in the spirit of your mind and to put on the new self who in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of truth. What St. Paul is saying is that if you believe in the risen Lord, okay, if you put on Christ, you can't stay the same. Or at least that if you're going to stay the same, you have to recognize that that, that makes no sense. Right? So again, sort of overuse the analogy is that, okay, I have a disease, certain foods make me sick, certain temperature. This is, this is a bad season for me, okay? Um, temperature, heat, foods, all these things affect me, okay? So to use this as an analogy of what St. Paul is saying, is he's saying, I now know that. I now, Anthony Paul, I know that the pollens and the heat of the season and the foods that I eat, they affect me. So he's saying, if you know that, that must affect your behavior, right? Because how can you say that you know that for a fact and then go and eat the stuff that makes me sick or not try and protect myself from the pollen or from the heat, right? Of not doing all those things. And so he's saying, if you know that Christ is risen, something should have changed. If you know that Christ is God, you can't be the same guy, or at least if you're going to keep eating the messed up foods, then you should know that that's messed up. Now you know it's messed up. Before you might have suspicions that there's a problem, but now you know. The same thing with Christ. If you know that he is the truth, your life must change. It must. If it doesn't change, then you are not living in the truth of the resurrection. So the truth frames for us 
the purpose and the objective of our being. He made us his sons and daughters, okay? We are dignified in rank. We are kings, we are queens, we are princes and princesses. I know how cliche that sounds, but in Christ, it's actually true. Those of you who have seen Narnia, that's what makes it not cheesy, right? When he puts up the four kids as, 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 as the kings and queens, that, that is what it is. That's not a, just an image. We have a station, we have an office, we have a calling. Um, look at how upset people are at the president of the United States of America, accusing him of not, I'm not, I'm not commenting on what I think of him, but the accusation is that he doesn't behave or conduct himself according to the dignity of his office, right? We look at him and say, a president ought to act in such a way. How many of us act the way we're supposed to act? with the dignity of our ranks as kings and queens, as priests, as prophets. That's who we are, all of us. If we believe that he is the truth, how do I cuss or gossip? If I believe that he's the truth, how do I justify judging people? If I believe that he's the truth, how do I justify being angry all the time? If I believe that he's the truth, how do I justify not making my family a church, teaching my kids how to talk to him, reading the Bible and praying as a family unit? How do I justify myself if I believe it's true? Or just say, yeah, it's true, but I don't care. So the Catholic epistle of St. John takes it further. If we had read it this morning, he says, Anyone who claims to be in the light, the light of Christ, the light of the resurrection, the light which is our Lord, and hates his brother or sister, is still in the darkness. Anyone who loves his brother or sister remains in the light, and there is no occasion for stumbling in such a person. But whoever hates a brother or sister is in the darkness and walks in the darkness, and such a person does not know where he's going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. That's scary. A Christian, if he believes, has to be conformed to the gospel. It's that simple. If you believe, you have to put on the gospel. Since we are God's offspring, we should not think that the divinity is like gold, silver, or stone engraved by human art or and imagination from the readings today. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands that all people everywhere should change their mind, repent, because he has appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom he has ordained, our Lord. He has given assurance of this to all by raising him from the dead. We know who we are. And if we don't, then like Thomas, seek to know. Seek. The early church has testified of it that all believers were changed. Okay, Their unity was astounding and regular people were laughing at death, casting out demons, healing the sick and prophesying. These were things people were able to do because of the resurrection. 
The Lord gave gifts according to the need of the community, and those things still exist today. They do. These things still exist to those who believe, to those who seek him, and those who, like Thomas, ask him for himself. If we do ask in faith and with sincerity of heart, then the same God of Thomas, who is our God, not just Thomas's, will reveal himself to us, such that we, too, with complete conviction, may cry out to him and say to him, My Lord and my God, glory be to our God forever and ever and unto the age of ages. Amen.